Am I on? Yes. Oh, yeah. If you are a high schooler, no, junior high. Junior high. You may make your way out. Sorry, they just switched it like last week, so I'm still trying to get used to the flow. So junior high, go out on Sunday, and then high schoolers, you can, thank you, ladies. You can, uh, we'll see you at the estuary on Thursdays normally, but not this week. Let's equip her. Any ladies going to equip her? I'm normally very, very happy I'm a man. No offense to the ladies, but every equipper, I'm pretty disappointed because you see the pictures afterwards, you're like, man, that looks awesome. Not that our guy's stuff's not amazing. Was anybody at the men's breakfast on Saturday? Yes? Awesome. I, men's breakfasts are amazing the third Saturday of every month. Uh, so if you're a guy, come on out third Saturday for that. Let's pray, and then uh, we'll get started. Lord, we thank you for today, Lord, for this opportunity that we have to come uh, before you, Lord, to enter your gates with thanksgiving and into your courts with praise, Lord, to come boldly before your throne. Lord, you made a way for us to come before you, and we just want to never take that for granted. Lord, it's so humbling and amazing and um, life-giving to us that you would call us out of darkness into your um, light. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today we're going to be continuing our Garden City series, and uh, let me just grab my notes real quick. And um, so the last couple weeks, Pastor John's been talking about uh, God's original intent, God's original design, and um, we talked about work, that God started creation by working. For six days, he created. Uh, he made, you know, the, the sun and the moon and the stars and everything, all the animals and the plants and all, all of life on earth, God created. Um, but then we get to the end of the creation account, and uh, God does something very, very interesting, which we're going to get to in just a second, which is rest. And we live in a culture that is surrounded by weapons of mass distraction. You know, I was just thinking when I was back there during worship, you know, I had my, I had my phone in my pocket. I have uh, in my bag, I have my AirPods, which if you've ever seen me anywhere that's not here on a Sunday morning, I probably have at least one of those in. Uh, I have my phone, which I said already. I have my uh, I normally have an iPad with me. I have my laptop. We're surrounded 24-7, 365 with stuff. Stuff that is pinging us. Oh, and I forgot my watch. Now it's cellular, so there's really never anywhere I can go that you can't get a hold of me. And so we're constantly bombarded with stuff. Pings and texts and work emails and uh, Facebook requests and everything. Constant, 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 constant stuff. We don't have time or we don't take time to just sit and rest. This is kind of awkward, right? (laughs) When was the last time you just sat? No phone, no Apple Watch, no iPad, no TV, no screen. Just sit. It 
feels super foreign to us. And that's why we're going to talk about it today. So I am going to have to use my computer because I have my notes on it. Um, I should have thought about that earlier and printed them out and been old school, but here we are. Okay, so like I said, we're continuing our Garden City series. Uh, we were talking about original design. And so now we're going to talk about the other... I'm getting text messages on my computer. Dear God, <laughs> that was not planned. Okay, we muted those. Um, Rihanna, if you're still back there, my phone's not working, so I'll need you to switch for me, please. Thank you. So we're going to talk about the other side of the original design coin, rest. Like I said, we're surrounded by weapons of mass distraction. But what we saw in the first chapter of Genesis is that God made us in his image. And because God worked, we work. God started the creation account by working. He formed everything. And then it says, on the seventh day, he rested. You can go to the next slide. The creation account doesn't end. Oh, sorry, back one. The creation account doesn't end with work. It ends with rest. So this is how the creation account ends. It says, on the seventh day, God had finished the work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. So the creation account doesn't end with work, but with rest. God spends six days taking a formless, chaotic void and working it into an inhabitable earth. And then on the seventh day, he rested. The creation story starts with God working and ends with God resting. But as we know from later on in the Bible, this is a God who doesn't slumber or sleep. It's not like he got tired. It's not like he was so exhausted from six days of creating that he was like, I just want to lay down and take a nap. No, this was a God who was creating the very fabric of nature and reality itself. And this God, this creator, loving God, decided to put rest as the crowning achievement of his creation. He didn't put something you have to do or something you have to have, but just something you get to rest. Move these out of the way so I don't trip. So, because God works, we work. And because God rested, we rest. Just as important as work is, rest is. They're not separate. They're two sides of the same coin. And we can't fully enjoy one without the other. I don't know about you, but most people I know fall into one of those two camps. They're either super good at working, and they never rest, or they're super good at resting, and they never work. As Christians, we are trying to live in the rhythms of work and rest, of plowing forward, of planting, resting, and harvesting. All of creation lives in these cycles, day and night, planting, seed time, harvest, the sun and the moon, the tide coming in and going out. All of creation has this cycle inside of it, and yet because we can have 
24-hour access to news and information, because we can leave our lights on all the time, because we don't actually have to have a night. We think we don't need to live in the rhythm of rest and work. God Shabbated. It says God rested, and that's the Hebrew word Shabbat. And it says it means to stop, to cease, to be complete, but it also means to celebrate. So God celebrated his creation. He took a day to stop and admire his handiwork. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been working really hard, and then you take a step back, and you, you're so in it, you can't see what's going on, and then you just take one step back, and you go, oh, look at that. Look at the progress I've made. Look at what I've accomplished. You know, one of my, one of my really good friends, Kane, he used to be a, a meter reader. And uh, he would go around all over the county and read meters. And now, so he read the same meters month after month after month after month. And the views were gorgeous, and he got to drive and be by himself. But that season of his life was over. And now he makes things with his hands. Gorgeous, amazing, amazing, uh, like boutique hotels and uh, just little things. And I got to go visit him when they were redoing a, um, a place up at Granada up in Slow, and just to see the work of his hand. And I didn't even ask him before this, but do you feel more fulfilled being able to stop and enjoy what you made and there's an there's a end? Or was it that it was just every month I'm just gonna go read the same meter? What's more fulfilling? putting you on the spot right now, but you're one of my best friends, so. And that's, that's what Shabbat is. It's I'm stopping, I'm taking a step back, and I'm enjoying the work of my hands. The work that God gave me to do this week, I did it, and I can enjoy it. It's also tied into this word manuha. Let's all say that together. Say manuha. Such a fun word. I love that word. It's a restfulness that's also a celebration. It's not just rest for rest's sake. It's celebrating as a rest. And I don't know about you, but that sounds refreshing. Uh, and Abraham Joshua Heschel, who is a, a, one of, a famous Jewish theologian, he said, obviously the ancient rabbis concluded there was an act of creation on the seventh day. Just as heaven and earth were created in six days, Menuha was created on the Sabbath. After the six days of creation, what did the universe still lack? Menuha. Came the Sabbath, came Menuha, and the universe was complete. Creation is not complete without rest. Your work is not complete without rest. What we do is not complete until we lay it down, take a step back, and enjoy it. Because that's what God did. That's the cycle, the rhythm of creation that God put into the world. And uh, as, as I talk right now, I'm going to use Sabbath and rest interchangeably. Um, at the end of the service, we'll actually talk about the, the Christian spiritual practice of Sabbath. Uh, but right now, we're going to talk about Sabbath and rest kind of interchangeably. So don't uh, get confused there. So our creator God rested. He instituted a rhythm into creation of work and rest. Not only that, but he declares that work and rest are both holy and blessed. The word blessed, we'll go back to it. It says, that word is barak. 
And it's a life-giving ability to procreate, to make more life. God, Barak, he blessed three times in the creation account. He blessed animals with the ability to procreate, to be fruitful and multiply. He blessed them to be fruitful and multiply. And then he blessed humans with the same blessing, be fruitful and multiply. And then the third thing in the creation account that God blesses is not a thing, but a day. God blessed the Sabbath. God blessed the Sabbath with the ability to fill up the rest of our week with light and joy and pleasure. The same blessing that was on humans to fill the earth is on a day. He blesses the Sabbath, the seventh day, with a life-giving ability to fill the world up with life. Sabbath rest is the rest that fills our lives, that refills our lives. When we get deplenished, when we get um, emptied out, Sabbath rest is the rest when we sit back and we allow God to fill us up again. And then the next thing he does is he calls the Sabbath day holy. That word is kadosh. And this is the first time that the word holy is used in Scripture. Can you guys, like, when I read that, I, I kind of didn't believe it, but then it's only in the second chapter of the Bible, so it makes sense. <laughs> but the first time God says something is holy, he doesn't talk about himself. He doesn't talk about a person. He doesn't talk about a place. He talks about time, that there's holy time that there's a holy day set aside that's different from all the other days. Holy just means to be set apart, to be set aside, to look different. And God sets aside a day to look different. Every other religion has a holy place. You know, Muslims go to Mecca. Hindus go to the Ganges River. Um, you know, other religions have, their, have sacred places. You know, pagans go to Stonehenge. But we Christians don't have a place. We have a time. We have holy time. We have a set-apart, sacred, holy time that we can live into. Abraham Joshua Heschel, again, he wrote a little book called The Sabbath, which if this message you enjoy and you want to learn more, I highly recommend that book. It's only 144 pages and it will radically change your life. He says, the Sabbaths are our great cathedrals. We don't erect monuments, we erect time. Our God doesn't live in space, but in time. And we step into sacred time and we reflect on the majesty and the glory and the wonder of God. For six days, we wrestle with the world of space, the hard work of building civilization. But on the Sabbath, we savor the world of time. We slow down, take a breath, and drink it all in. And what I find fascinating is Sabbath is not the, the middle of the week. Sabbath wasn't Wednesday. Like God was working super hard and he got tired. And he's like, oh, you know, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to take a rest. Then I'll get back to it. No, God created for six days and then he made Sabbath. Sabbath is the crowning achievement of the week. It's the climax that everything was going towards. It was the crescendo of the orchestra of creation. Sabbath rest is the highest pinnacle of God's creation that we get to enjoy. It's the end goal, the culmination, because creation is not complete without rest. There is no fullness in our lives without celebration. 
like music and architecture, there needs to be space. Have you ever heard music that there is no break? No, you actually haven't, because all music has a break. And if you look at orchestra music, if you look at uh, sheet music, they not only denote when to play a note, they denote when to pause, when to rest. And if you just played however you wanted, your music would sound like a garbled mess. Have you ever been into somebody's house and they are, um, Oh, what does my sister-in-law call it? Um, they, they like, um, kitschy, not kitschy. Oh, what's the word? Tchotchkes. They have tchotchkes everywhere. Like every, I don't know if she's the only one that uses that word, but she uses it all the time. Too many tchotchkes. There's tchotchkes everywhere. But we're going through Marshall's. She's like, who would buy that tchotchke? And then like months later, you go into somebody's house and they have it, and you're like, oh, don't, don't invite Kristen over. Um, but if you've been to somebody's house, and they are obsessed with tchotchkes. So every square inch of every wall, of every uh, shelf, is just covered in stuff. Do you feel comfortable there? I don't. Maybe it's my quasi-millennial minimalism. <laughs> but the, you can't rest. There's just too much stuff. You're like, I'm going to move and break something, and this is not going to be good. And God forbid that my kids go into that house, because something is going to get broken. <laughs> but just like in design, you need space to actually have it look appealing, to look the way it's supposed to look. And it's the same way with our lives. Our lives cannot be so jam-packed with stuff that we have no margins. Because when we have no margins... And the minute something goes wrong, the minute somebody needs to go to the doctor, the minute a friend needs help, everything falls apart. We're living in a house of cards. So we have to have margins in our life in order for our lives to breathe. We have to inhale and exhale. And you know, I, I, one of the things I find fascinating is that the Sabbath command in the Ten Commandments is tied in to the creation account. Brianna, can you go to the next slide? says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days, so this is, so God gives this command. It's the longest command in all of the Ten Commandments. But he ties it, do this because, verse 11, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that was in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he consecrated it. God commands this because he is not a workaholic. He is a Sabbath-keeping, Sabbath-giving God who works and rests. You can go to the next slide. Ruth Haley Barton says, God cares about this little human on this little planet called earth, and he cares that I have a body with limitations, so he gives me rest. God knows what we need. God knows that we need downtime, that we need recovery time, that we can't go, 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 go all the time because eventually we will collapse and it will be far worse than if we had just taken time to rest. For six days we rule and subdue and work and draw out and labor and bleed and wrestle and fight with the ground, but then we take a step back and for 24 hours we Sabbath we enjoy the fruit of our labor, 
We delight in God and his world. We celebrate life. We rest and we worship. And we see this in the life of Jesus. Jesus is the second Adam. He is the perfect representation of God to humanity. He's the embodiment of the Sabbath. He's the seventh day in flesh and blood. We can come to him and find rest, not just on the Sabbath, but all week long. And we see in Jesus the rhythm of work and rest. We see Jesus going out. He's healing the sick. He's uh, cleansing lepers. He's casting out demons. He's um, raising the dead. He's, you know, like Whitney talked about, multiplying food. He's doing all of these things. And then it would say, and then Jesus withdrew by himself into a lonely place to pray. Jesus knew even he, the Son of God, God incarnate, needed to get away to rest and be refreshed. He would tell his disciples, let us go away and be refreshed. God, Jesus instituted in his own life this cycle of work and rest. We go and we stop. We breathe in and we breathe out. Almost all of Jesus' healings take place on the Sabbath. Almost every single one of the, the healings that Jesus does in the Gospels takes place on the Sabbath. But I think it's significant because I think Sabbaths are still a time for healing. It's a time when Jesus can come to us and he can bring healing to those things that we haven't taken time long enough to stop, look back, and assess and see, oh, this is actually a problem. I don't know about you, but, you know, I used to play sports when I was younger. Um, there's times when you're, you're playing and you kind of fall down. You're like, oh, I'm fine, actually. So this, man, this is embarrassing. Okay, this happened to me last week. <laughs> um, I was going to say when I was a kid, but this is probably more pertinent now. Um, so it was my son's 11th birthday last week, and uh, he wanted to go paintballing with his friends. And I was like, oh, sweet. You know, let, let's go. Actually, I was like, I absolutely so don't want to do that because I don't like paintballing. Um, because I don't like pain, like I don't, and I don't want to choose to be, to have pain inflicted upon me, like it just doesn't make any sense to my brain, like why would I go and like ask you to, to hurt me, but that's what he wanted to do, he's 11, I'm trying to do the best that I can, so okay, I'll, you know, go, and so he was going to invite, you know, some friends, and a couple of them had to drop out at the last minute, so uh, my brother-in-law, my brother-in-law and I decided, okay, let's go, you know, we'll, we'll fill in those, those last couple spots. And I'm 35. I'm, I'm in okay shape, I thought. Um, and so we get out there, and, you know, we're running around, and we made the first run across the field, and both my brother-in-law and I are like, oh, gosh, this is going to be a little bit more than we expected, but let's have fun. Um, and the place where we were playing has a bunch of squirrel holes. And so I was, you know, trying to shoot this little 11-year-old kid because that's what you do when you're paintballing. <laughs> and so I, I was shooting him, and uh, then he turned around, and uh, I realized he was going to start shooting me. And so I was like, oh, shoot, i got to run. And I turned to run, and I hit a squirrel hole. And I kind of tumbled and, you know, fell on my, my arm and my shoulder and scraped up my knee. And I'm like, I don't want to get shot, so I'm just going to keep running. And I felt fine all that day. I was fine. Like, I, you know, I had a little bit of scrape on my knee. But then I wake up the next day. I rested. And when I rested, I realized, oh, I actually got hurt. Like, <laughs> Legit, my shoulder's still kind of messed up. Like, I, it's actually way better today than it was yesterday. Yesterday, I was, we were at a wedding, and I was sitting there trying to talk to people, and if I moved a certain way, or if I laughed, it hurt. And I was around people that are very funny the whole day. And so I'm trying not to laugh the whole time, because I realized when I rested that there was healing that needed to happen. 
And that's what Sabbaths are, when we take a break long enough to actually have our bodies relax, have our minds relax, have our souls relax, we can see where we need the healing of Jesus. And I, I love in, in the Gospels so often, Jesus would say, what do you want me to do for you? There's somebody that's blind before Jesus, and he asks them, what do you want me to do for you? Because maybe they, maybe they didn't want to be healed of their blindness, because Jesus was going to give them what they were going to ask for. But if we don't take a break long enough to see what's wrong, we won't actually know how to answer Jesus when he says, what do you want me to do for you? Because we don't actually know what's wrong with us. We haven't taken the time to take a step back and really evaluate our life, our soul, our spirit, and our body to see where we need the healing of Jesus. So Jesus invites us, you can go to the next slide, Ron. Jesus invites us to come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace, or I would say the unforced rhythms of creation. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. The Creator God is inviting us to join him in this rhythm, this interplay of work and rest. And when we don't accept his invitation, we reap the consequences, fatigue, burnout, anxiety, depression, busyness, starved relationships, worn down immune systems, low energy levels, anger, tension, confusion, emptiness. These are the signs of a life without rest. I don't know about you, but I can look at that list and it's been a checklist for my life at times. I'm like, oh, have that, have that, have that. And if I was really honest with myself, I would realize it was because I had no margins in my life. I had no rest. My day was packed from the moment I woke up to the moment I went to bed. Every evening I had something going on. Every spare second was devoted to something. Or as Wayne Mueller puts it, if we don't allow for a rhythm of rest in our overly busy lives, illnesses become our Sabbaths, our Sabbaths. Our pneumonia, our cancers, our heart attacks, our accidents create Sabbaths for us. By following Jesus, we tap into God's rhythm for human flourishing. For many of us, this is a new rhythm. And if you've ever tried to have a diet or start exercising or getting up earlier, new routines and new rhythms are hard. But this is Jesus inviting us into this rhythm. And he has grace for us to step into it. It will be worth the effort. Work and rest are not enemies, but they're friends. Okay, I want everybody to take a deep breath. And I don't want to pass out, so we can exhale now. But that's what it feels like to live a life without rest or a life without work. Both of them have the same problem. We don't live in the cycle and the rhythm that we were created to. It's like breathing in with never, without ever breathing out. It's like staying up all day without ever taking a nap or going to bed, getting your good eight hours or whatever you need for your body. This is the rhythm of creation that we're invited into. Work and rest form a whole, full, well-rounded life. This cadence of work and rest is as vital to our humanness as food or water or sleep or oxygen. 
it's mandatory for survival to say nothing of flourishing. Given the obsession of our culture with work, consumption, and productivity, we need to spend time slowing down long enough to grasp the significance of rest. And rest is a gift given by God to us. It says in Exodus 16.29, this is, rest is a gift. The Israelites were still coming out of slavery and all its mentalities. For slaves, their only value was in what they produced. If you read the, the Exodus account, there was how much, okay, you have to make this, this quota of bricks. Okay, now we're upset at you, so you have to make that same quota of bricks, but you get no straw. Okay, you have to make that same quota of bricks, and it's more, more, more. Make more with less. Do, do, do. Your only value is in what you produce to this economy. And that's where the Israelites were coming out of. They were coming out of the slave mentality where their only value was in what they produced, was in what they gave to the economy. And God said, stop. I want you to learn to rest. And so sometimes as we're reading through, um, you know, Exodus and Leviticus, we're reading through, you know, the, the wilderness account, it can seem like the rules are like so overbearing and overprotective. But the way I look at it is the Israelites were essentially in a halfway house between the slavery of Egypt and the freedom of the promised land. And if you've lived your whole life in captivity, you have to learn how to have freedom before you live in freedom because you don't actually have those skills. You don't have the ability to know how to live appropriately if all your life you've been told what to do, how to do it, where to go, this is what time you get up, this is what time you go to bed, this is when you do your homework, this is when, uh, this is when you eat, this is what you eat. You have no choices. And then you get out into the world and you flip out. And guess what? You, you try to find something that gives you the structure that you were lacking. Exactly. Because I've had so many friends, and they grew up in such strict homes, and then the moment they go off to college, whoo, the wheels come off, literally sometimes. <laughs> but it's because they didn't learn how to go from structure to freedom. And that's what God was trying to get them to, God was trying to show them. He was trying to give them some semblance of still maintaining structure and order until they went into freedom. And rest is a byproduct of freedom. God roots, so later on, so later on, um, they're getting ready to go into the promised land. So Exodus, the, the Ten Commandments we read about earlier were the first, they had just come out of the promise, or just come out of Egypt. They were starting their wilderness journey. And then Deuteronomy, they're getting ready to go into the promised land. This is Moses' last message to the children of Israel. And you can go to the next slide. This is what Moses says. He says, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your oxen, donkeys, and your other livestock, and any foreigners living among you. All your male and female servants must rest as you do. Next one. Then he says, remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and his powerful arm. This is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. So as Christians, one of the things that we, um, we say, and uh, Pastor John talked about this last week, we are, we are believers because we believe. There's things that we believe. And in uh, two of the most famous Christian creeds that we say, you know, I believe in, it's, they both start out the same way. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. 
creator of heaven and earth. And so we see in that two things, that one, God is a, a father, and two, that God is creator. And the first Sabbath command is rooted in the identity of God as a creator. The second one is rooted in the identity of God as a father. God is saying, as a good father, I know what you need. And I'm sure those of you that have young kids, you know what happens when your kids get overly tired. They get so tired, they actually get more wound up. They get crazier and wilder, and it just, and you're just like, you need to rest. You need to sleep. Let's go take a nap. And they're screaming and flailing everywhere, and it's just mayhem. But as a good parent, you know what your kids need. And as a good father, our father knows what we need. And so out of love, he gives us rest. He gives us time to refresh and be renewed. But like the Israelites in the wilderness, we often pine for the struggles of Egypt with its quota and breaks, its taskmasters and tyrants, rather than the unforced rhythms of grace, of work and rest, of quiet trust and thankfulness. We need to relearn how to power down, unplug, disconnect, and take a break and be in one place at one time. We forget that we're not a machine. We can't work 24-7 in a world of workaholism and nonstop technology Amazon.com drone deliveries and the unending barrage of consumerism, and in a world of opulent waste and leisure, and the revision of the American dream to mean golfing in Florida all day long or driving your Maserati around Beverly Hills, recalibrating our life to the rhythm of work and rest is more important than ever before. Both underwork and overwork rob us of the capacity to enjoy God, his world. They make us less human. So, Right now, we're going to talk about what Sabbath means, what it means to have the Christian practice and discipline of Sabbath, why Sabbath is important. And it's, I'll, I'll warn you, it's probably going to feel foreign. I'm probably going to raise more answers than I answer. I'm probably going to raise more questions than I answer. There we go. But I want to challenge you or encourage you, don't let the questions distract you from the invitation. Because as I heard earlier, this is an invitation from Jesus himself. Follow me. Walk with me. Work with me. This is what it looks like to live the Jesus kind of life. And if we're Christians, that's what we say we want to do. We want to follow Jesus. We want to learn how to live the Jesus-looking life. So this is an invitation to follow Jesus. Let's put the questions aside and listen with our hearts. Can we allow ourselves to fall in love with the day? So why do we Sabbath? The first one we just talked about. God is a good parent. He helps us from becoming overly tired, dangerously tired. God built this into the fabric of creation. God creates and he fathers. And both of those institute Sabbath rest. Second, Sabbath is an expression of faith. The world will go on without me. Do you know that if you don't do anything the rest of today, the world is going to go on without you. I sometimes get caught up in my own grandiosity and think I have to do, be, X, Y, Z in order for the world to run, but the world's been here for a long, long, long time before I came along, and it'll be here a long, long, long time after I'm gone. I don't have to to do. I don't have to be on all the time for the world to keep going. 
I can accept that I'm accepted. The gospel of Jesus is the extravagant, unexpected, counterintuitive, lavish announcement that everything you've ever been searching for is already here, that everything you've ever needed done for you has already been done. And it's the radical realization that if I don't produce, I'm still loved by God. God is not a pharaoh demanding that I build cities for more of this stuff. He's a father who wants to partner with me to see good flourishing in his world. And I'll give you a little hint. God is really bad at math. Really bad. Like, super bad. His math says that if I live on 90%, I'll have more than I need. His math says that if I work six days and take a day off, I'll have more than I need. His math says it's worth leaving 99 perfectly good sheep to run after one lost sheep. His math says I'm going to pay somebody that works 12 hours, 9 hours, 6 hours, and 3 hours the same amount. This is the math of God. It makes no sense to us as humans, but it's the math of God. So can we live in to that math? Can we learn to rest in that math? It will fall forward to us. This will feel like we're doing something wrong. We've lived our whole life being told we have to do more, have more, be more. But if we can learn to live in the unforced rhythms of grace, we'll actually find that there's more than enough time, there's more than enough money, there's more than enough energy to do everything that God's given us to do. There is rest available to us every day, but there's a specific spiritual practice called Sabbath that we're going to talk about right now, towards the end of this service. And Jessica, if you want to come out and play. You know, the way I look at it, why we practice Sabbath. Sabbath is a holiday. And as I was just looking over this, and I'll be very, very honest right now. I am giving this message not because I have this figured out, but because this is something my soul aches for. It is something I know I need in my life, and I am not there yet. So I'm going to invite you to come on a journey with me. And I, the whole time I was preparing this, I kept thinking of um, Ebenezer Scrooge in A Christmas Carol. And at the end of the, the Christmas Carol, he's talking to the, the three spirits that have come to him, and he says, I will honor Christmas and try to keep it all the year round. And there is something, if we can learn the true value of one day, that helps us live every day differently. He understood the value of one day of Christmas, and it helped him live differently all year round. If we can learn the different, if we can learn the value of Sabbath one day a week, it will help us live all other six days differently. So what is the spiritual practice of Sabbath? It's simply a 24-hour period, typically either sundown Friday to sundown Saturday, or all day Sunday. Sundown Friday to sundown Saturday, or all day Sunday. Now, I'm going to give some different things that people do. Everybody is different. You're going to find your own way. But all I'm giving out is an invitation. It's going to look different for people with two small children than it does for a retired couple. It's going to look different 
as a single mom than it does for you know, somebody that has grown kids. It's gonna look different for uh, a single man than it does for a single father. It's gonna look different. But can you hear the heart behind the why? Hear the why behind the what? So it's normally a 24 hour period. What it's not, it's not just a day off. It's not a rule to obey. And it's not just working. It's not just not working and sitting on the couch. It's a day when God has my rapt attention a day when I'm fully available to my friends and family, a day with no to-do list, a day when I don't accomplish anything and I don't feel guilty about it, a day when my phone is off, my email is closed, and you can't get a hold of me, a day when I don't buy or sell, I don't need to get more, just enjoy what I already have, a day not to be sad, but to celebrate my life in God's very good world. On it, we do no work for our bosses or for ourselves. This is not... My, this is not running errands and getting my to-do list taken care of. This is just a day to rest, relax. It's a day to focus on God, on his good creation, the blessings in our lives. We learn to rest from our work as God did from his. And I love it. Back to that word, manuha. It's restfulness that's a celebration. I'm resting in what I have, and I'm celebrating all that God has given me. It's something that needs to be created. Hebrews 4 says, strive to enter into the rest, which seems so counterintuitive to us. How do we strive to enter into rest? But it's because rest is something that can be created. It's a place, it's, a, it's an environment, it's an atmosphere that we take time to enjoy our life, our world, and our God. For the Sabbath is a day of harmony and peace, peace between man and man, peace within man, and peace with all beings. On the seventh day, no man has the day has no right to temper with God's world, to change the state of a physical thing. It is a day for rest for man and animal alike. And like we said earlier, it's a time for healing. If busyness can become a kind of violence, we do not have to stretch our perception very far to see that Sabbath time, effortless, nourishing rest can invite a healing of this violence. When we consecrate a time to listen to the still, small voices, we remember the root of inner wisdom that makes work fruitful. We remember from where we are most deeply nourished and see more clearly the shape and texture of the people and things before us. Sabbath means to be in a mode of receptivity for the gifts to be given, and that requires one to slow down, to pause, and to wait. And I think about Pastor Bruce Monk was here a couple years ago, and he was talking about Psalm 23. And at the end it says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And he said, for some of us, goodness and mercy have been following us every day of our life, and we haven't stopped long enough to let it overtake us. It's like we've been running so hard that we haven't stopped and just let it wash over us. Goodness and mercy has been following you all your life. Take time and let it wash over you. Like I said earlier, this is going to look different for every stage of life. But in each stage of our lives, we hope to disrupt the busyness, the workload, the media overload, and the frenetic pace of life by slowing down to a deliberate stop. So here are four questions for what Sabbath is. We ask, is this rest? We ask, is this worship? Is this life-giving? 
and does this bring me delight? Those are the four questions we ask about Sabbath. Is this rest? Is this worship? Is this life-giving? And does this bring me delight? And for all of us, those, we're going to answer each of those questions differently. Rest for me looks different than rest for somebody else. You know, I think about, you know, is this life-giving and does this bring me delight? You know, my wife loves to go to the gym. That's one of her happy places. That brings, that's life-giving to her and it brings her delight. Going to the gym would be life-giving to me. Like, I should probably work out. Obviously, I'd bring my back out run hitting a pothole. But it doesn't bring me delight, not one bit. So I'm not going to go to the gym on the Sabbath because that is counterintuitive. You know, I think about my dad. My dad used to have uh, what we call them five-minute vacations. He would uh, take his truck out on the beach and uh, just sit there and watch the sunset. And that was his happy place. He was working 70-plus hours a week at some time. He just needed a little break, a little reset button, a little refresh. And uh, one of his favorite things to do is to drive out in the back of the dunes and just see people that get stuck and help them out. I would say that's work for me, to go find somebody that's stuck and pull them out. But for him, that's life-giving. He gets to give life to somebody else. He gets to be there for somebody else. So that's part of his Sabbath routine. It wouldn't be part of mine. So when you look at and you're thinking about Sabbath and you're, you're praying and you're discerning what to do, just keep these questions in front of you. Is this rest? Is this worship? Is this life-giving? And does this bring me delight? The Sabbath is not dedicated exclusively to spiritual goals. It is a day of the soul as well as of the body. Comfort and pleasure are an integral part of the Sabbath observance. Man in his entirety, all his faculties must share its blessings. And Sabbath is a resistance to workaholism and consumerism of our age. It is a way to say enough that I am more than what I produce, that I am loved because I am God's not because of what I do. It's a time to reflect back on the week that was and to say, all the work is done, even if it isn't. All the work is done, even if it isn't. All the work is done. There's nothing else you need to produce. Nothing else you have to do to be accepted and loved by God, just the way you are. And Sabbath lets us live into that, lets us lean into that. Can you hear the heart of a loving father in that? You don't have to strive, scrap, and claw to make your way in the world. Just fall into my loving arms and rest with me. It's an invitation from Jesus to step into the unforced rhythms of grace, to step out of the rat race, and to live fully alive. So here is my offering to you, my call. Will you commit with me to take one four-hour period in the next week and practice Sabbath? Just four hours is all I'm asking. Can you take, I'm not asking you to give up a day, our lives, obviously we've been talking about it. Can you find four hours this week where you unplug, you turn off the TV, the phone, the news, and you just be. You light a candle, you sit down, you read a book that nourishes you, you have a good meal, you enjoy life, and you think back at all the good things that God has done for you, and you just be. One hour, or one four-hour block in the next week 
And then, can you find one 24-hour period in the next month to practice Sabbath? Declare it holy and blessed. I love what Whitney talked about during um, offering this morning about the five loaves and the two fish because this is how it's going to feel for me this week trying to find and figure out where I'm going to put this. It's going to feel like my little five loaves and two fishes of time. Like, God, I know that there's more I, sh- I, I probably should give, but this is all I have. And I'm going to give it to him and I'm going to allow him to take it, to break it, and to bless it and multiply it out. And for some of you that have been saved for a long time, you've been really, really faithful at tithing your finances. You don't even think about it. It's automatic. 10%, I get paid, 10%, boom. But we haven't practiced Sabbath. And I would think, just from a pure math standpoint, (laughs) Sabbath is a harder thing to practice than tithing. Tithing is 10% of my finances. Sabbath is, I'm bad at math too, 13 something percent, 14 percent, 14 of my week. I'm actually giving God more by practicing Sabbath than I am by tithing. So for some of you, this is going to be challenging. It's going to be challenging for me. I think about my day yesterday. I had men's breakfast, which was awesome. Then I had a soccer game. Then I had a birthday party, had a wedding, preparing for this message. It was a jam-packed day. But I'm committing through this to not brag about my busyness anymore. I've used my busyness in the past as a badge of honor. Look how busy I am. Look at all the stuff I'm doing. Look at all the, the things I have to do. And God's like, hey, time out. Take a step back. Enjoy what you have. You don't always have to do more. You don't always have to go somewhere new. Just enjoy what you have. And if you can't, and I'm asking myself this question, if I can't give four hours in the next week and 24 hours in the next month, I need to have a good, hard look at my life and ask myself why. Why can I not give four hours to my God, my family, my friends, and myself? Why can I not give 24 hours in one month to my God, my family, my friends, and myself? What in my life is so important? For most of us, we're not going to go out and build a golden calf and worship. But we'll worship at the altar of busyness. We'll worship at the altar of consumption. We'll worship at the altar of workaholism. Can we unplug and disconnect for long enough to let goodness and mercy overtake us? And like I said, I'm preaching to myself more than anybody else because I struggle with this a lot. So on that day, we just follow some simple rules. These are rules from uh, the book Garden City. John Mark Comer, the, he's, this is the book we based this series on. These are his family rules, so apply them as needed. 
So, so, so on the Sabbath in my family, we have rules. We do sleep in, relax, spend time in the scriptures, pray. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cry right now. I'm just going to warn you. Eat our way through the day. Enjoy nature. Go for a walk to the park. Or sometimes on a light hike. Spend time with close friends and family. We don't buy or sell except food. As we love to go to brunch or ice cream. We don't touch our email. We don't post anything on social media because our phones are off. We don't run errands or catch up around the house. We don't talk about stuff that's sad or heavy or divisive. There are six other days in the week for that. We do talk about, or we don't talk about stuff that needs to get done. We rest from even the thought of work. We don't read a magazine or visit a webpage that, or go to a store that would make me want more because on Sabbath we have enough. But these rules aren't suffocating or rigid. They are pliable and limber and spacious. They are the rules of a craft, a discipline, an art form. After all, Shabbat is a verb in Genesis 2. Rest is something you do. It's a skill you hone. And just like surfing or cooking or playing the elbow, nobody is good at it the first time. It takes time and practice. The end goal is that Sabbath becomes a regular part of our weekly routine that we set aside one full day a week to rest and worship, and that we enjoy this day thoroughly, learning to delight in God, his creation, and our life in it, calibrating your body and soul to the rhythm of God's spirit, and then living out of that place all week long. So that's my invitation to you. Can we be people of the Sabbath? Can we be people that learn to work and rest just as we've learned to breathe in and breathe out? That we've learned to wake up and to sleep? Can we be those people? So I'm going to invite you right now just to close your eyes. music's going to drop out here because we're just going to rest. And if you've been listening to this message and you realize that you hear the invitation of Jesus and he's inviting you into the unforced rhythms of grace to follow him, to, to work with him, and you want to commit this week and this month to Sabbath. I'm just going to invite you to stand up and we're going to pray for grace to live this out. Grace to live the Jesus way. The way of work and rest. 
So, Lord Jesus, right now, we hear your call. We don't know how, how we're going to do it. But we know that it's you that's calling us. And we ask for your grace to be upon us right now. Lord, just like in the Church of Acts, it says that there was great grace, that there was great peace, there was great joy. So we ask for this week, as we've heard your call and we're committing to follow you in these cycles of rest and work, Lord, that you would give us great grace to accomplish it. And Lord, as we're sitting there and as we're resting, Lord, that great peace would be upon us. Lord, that the, the worries and the cares and the anxieties of this world and this, all the things that we have to think about, Lord, would just wash away and your peace would be like a blanket that just covers us. And Lord, for great joy to be upon us, Lord, as we, as we leave the Sabbath and we go back into our lives, Lord, the period at the end of our week, Lord, the, the rest at the end of our week, and we go back, Lord, maybe we be filled with joy unexplainable and full of glory. Lord, that your joy would just come and overtake us. Lord, your goodness and your mercy, Lord, that have been trying to catch up to us for so long, we've been running from you. Lord, that it would just overtake us. And that this week would look different than other weeks because we've taken time to rest with you, to be with you, to learn your rhythms. In Jesus' name, amen.